tell him that you give mercy to someone who has deserved the fire of hell. And from that perspective, we don't blame God if there seems to be a person who doesn't know God. But we say, who are you, God, that you have invited me? close to you. And from that position we can cry out to him and say, please, look at these other people, give them a chance just like the robber on the cross who on the moment of his death pleaded to Jesus. And then we see what happens when we're there. Thank you. I'd say I, I firmly believe that God gives the opportunity of salvation to everyone. Uskon vahvasti että Jumala antaa Uskon vahvasti että Jumala antaa mahdollisuuden pelastua ihan jokaiselle. But that in the mystery of free will there are those who do not want to know God. Mutta koska meillä on vapaa tahto niin on niitä jotka eivät halua tuntea Jumalaa. That you might almost say there are people for whom to go to heaven would be hellish. It would be to have God forced upon them against their will. Like a suitor who won't take no for an answer, and like someone who's courting you who won't take no for an answer. So it's actually the the love of God that allows people to reject Him. Um, God um, will absorb, if you like, the the pain of being rejected by people to allow them to have their way. Jumalan rakkaus mahdollistaa sen, että, että hänet voidaan torjua, niin hän hyväksyy sen, että hän ottaa vastaan sen tuskan, joka tulee siitä, että ihminen vapaassa tahdossa torjuu hänet. So that is always a possibility that people that we know and love here and now may choose to reject God and not be with us in heaven. Eli on mahdollista, että ihmiset Jotkut niistä ihmisistä, joita rakastamme täällä maan päällä, niin tekee sen päätöksen, että torjuu Jumalan eikä ole sitten meidän kanssa taivaassa. But I think that follows unavoidably from the love of God as well as the justice of God. Mutta se seuraa Jumalan rakkautta ja myös Jumalan oikeudenmukaisuutta. Se on seuraus näistä kahdesta. And I think the only remark I can make about how does that affect our happiness at being in heaven ja miten se sitten vaikuttaa siihen, että olemmeko onnellisia taivaassa? Is that however God manages this, uh, he makes it such that those who choose to not be with us in heaven, they don't get the power of sucking away our joy just because they don't want to join in with it. Jumala järjestää, en tiedä miten Jumala sen järjestää, mutta ne ihmiset, jotka eivät halua mennä taivaaseen, niin he eivät pysty viemään meiltä sitä iloa, joka meillä on taivaassa. That would be to think that evil can have an eternal hold over goodness. Koska silloin se tarkoittaisi sitä, että pahuus pystyy pitämään hyvyyttä näpeissään ikuisesti. Uh, and that just can't be the case. So it, it must be possible for us to be happy in heaven even though there might be those who won't be there with us. One of the things that Vesa said is that we can't speculate with something that we don't know, especially the fate of our lives. But I want to give you a radical 
Ja se, mm. tämä kysymys tuli meitä vastaan tuolla kanavassa. Ja mä kerran kohtaamme mutta tämän muutos meissä tapahtuu siinä vaiheessa, kun me kohtaamme Kristuksen ja me näemme kasvoista kasvoja ja ymmärrämme, että ilman Kristusta meidän kohtaamme aivan sama, että meistä johtuvaa etuoikeuksia, me olemme siellä, se on niin mutta samalla se merkitsee myös sitä, että näemme kaupunkiin kaupunkiin In Revelations, it says that God is there with you when the new heaven and new earth will be created. God is with them and he will wipe away all tears. This is a metaphor, or in an abstract way, what you cannot I don't know if, 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 if this is what John was thinking, but how I see it is that when we arrive there and when we step into the kingdom of heaven, we can cry those cries that uh, you know, we are missing those people who are not there. You know, we can cry that we have uh, failed in so many ways. We didn't bring Jesus glory. And when we look into our hearts, we realize that. And it's, it's amazing that uh, we can But all those cries, we can still cry at the gate. And then God uh, sits on his throne and then will wipe away our tears. And after that, everything is full of joy. Why do we have to suffer because of the sin of 
So, of course, St. Paul talking about this uh, in the book of uh, Romans, I believe, uh, talks about the fact that um, sin and the consequences of sin spread to everyone because we all sin in Adam. Uh, we have sinned. Olemme tehneet yeah. syntiä uh, Aadamista. We are each of us, if you like, our our own Adam. Um, we are not, I believe, um, punished because of someone else's sins. Meitä ei rangaista jonkun toisen syntien tähden. Um, rather, uh, Paul uses Adam as a uh, a, a type. Uh, a picture of the fallen humanity that is true of, of all of us. So he, he draws a contrast between Adam as the first man and Christ as the, depending on your translation, the second man or the last man. Eli hän erottaa Aadamin, joka oli se ensimmäinen mies, ja sitten Kristuksen, joka oli riippuen käännöksestä, niin toinen tai viimeinen mies, ihminen. But this means, I think, that Adam is representative of the first type of man, just as Christ is the second type of man, because Jesus is not literally the second or the last man. Kristus ei tietenkään ole siis kirjaimellisesti ollut mikään viimeinen mm. ihminen, vaan että Aatami oli ensimmäisen tyypin, kuvasi tätä ensimmäistä tyyppiä, ihmistyyppiä, ja, ja mm. Kristus sitten kuvasi viimeistä ihmistyyppiä. So there is the metaphor of through our own sin we are fallen in Adam, but through grace in Christ, being in Christ Jesus, we are, become, we are part of the new man. Oman syntimme tähden me olemme langenneita aatamissa ja sitten Jumalan armon kautta Kristuksessa me taas olemme did you say we are saved in Christ? Or? Yeah, that, that, saved in Christ. Meidät pelastetaan Kristuksessa, joka on se uusi ihminen. So it's not that because because Adam sinned, therefore I get punished. <laughs> but that because of my sin, I am in Adam. I am responsible for my sin, and I am under God's judgment. And then because I am in Christ. I am within the, the grace of God in Christ. First of all, an important thought. We need to be self-critical. Have, have you done any better than Adam? This is to do with what Peter said. Uh, our, the choice that Adam and Eve did, they did it not only for us, but we would have done the same thing. It, it, it is a picture of where the whole humanity wanted to go. It's the direction where we all wanted to go. And secondly, the Bible teaches that there is a consequence to our sin, even though a sin would be private and secret, it will always somehow come out 
and other people will have to carry the burden of our sin. And we also carry other people's burdens, burden of other people's sin. And there is a chain of generations. But Christ is the only one who can cut this chain. And all the sin of the world was put on him. And he paid for them on the cross. And when we believe in him, it's possible that we will find a drug with which we can survive with our sin. So God doesn't take away all that suffering and that bad, those bad things from our life. Because it says, don't sin in the Bible. Paul says, don't sin, but if somebody sins, then blah, 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 because we will sin anyway. Uh, there is some kind of drug or some kind of help which we can use when we do sin. And when we talk about our own sinfulness, like, oh, we are so poor, even though uh, the reality of the choice of Adam and Eve is reaching all of us, he, God, God didn't still say that, just go away, I don't care about you. He put forth this amazing salvation plan, how he wanted to, to um, resolve it in the best way. And it's also reaching to you. Sometimes we think this is a little bit sidetracking, but sometimes we think that God is like a fireman, that we cause a catastrophe, then he causes, puts, puts out the fire and then builds it again. And then we do the next catastrophe and then he comes and saves again. And he takes away the thing that we do and he like, makes makes the consequences go away. Sometimes he does that. And he's so merciful that he, he doesn't let us carry all the consequences of our sins. We just don't see this great mercy that he saves us from many evils that we have done. But he's also the kind of a God who uses bad things to make sure that his good will will happen. For example, Jesus, God comes to the earth and his own creation kills their creator. It's incredible evil. But this evil became blessing to the whole uh, humanity. So this is how God acts in this reality. It would have been nice if he would have done it in a different way. But who are you to t tell God how he's supposed to do things? You know, God is God and a person is a person. <laughs> Niin voisiko tämä lyhyenä vastakysymyksenä, että miksi meidän pitäisi saada siunautta siitä, että yhdessä koko maailmassa se Adamin rikkomuksesta on seurauksia koko ihmisen, koko luomakunnalle. Siinä on suunnattuna vahinkoja, me näemme siinä ainakin yhden asian. Että minimaalistinen etiikka, joka sanoo näin, että mitä se kenellekään kuuluu, mitä kaksi aikuista ihmistä keskenään tekevät, Our 
mutta Kristuksen sovituksen on niin mittavan suuri, että hän luo yhdellä ainoalla teolla uuden taivaan ja uuden maan ja antaa meidän asua Se on valtava sovitus, jonka Kristus on ottaen huomioon, minkälainen tuhovoima meillä on I'm not entirely sure what the question is. <laughs> Neither do I. So it says thoughts and views mm. from this verse mm. uh, from the perspective of number one, when suffering meets, uh, faces you. Number two, when a person experiences that they have done wrong things in their lives. Mm. One view is that God uh, sees the whole reality and controls it. We cannot uh, nullify his uh, plans, even if we do wrong things, they are things that God knows and sees, and they will reveal his good will in time. One point that I would like to say, verse 16, it says, your eyes saw me. Mm. beginning in God's eyes a person is a miracle the idea is that already when a child is in its womb not a miracle a person so the story is already in God's God already knows our story so already when you're in the and we have to treat them of the unborn children. Okay. Mm. Uh, so if the question here is really the, the classic question of the relationship between our freedom and God's foreknowledge, I think the answer is simply that God's knowledge of what we will do uh, doesn't cause what we do. The thing that God foreknows is what we freely choose to do. <laughs> so his knowledge depends upon our actions. It's not that our actions are caused by his knowledge. Um, that's a, a typical philosophical question that that verse might seem to raise. So that might have been the question. Uh, 
Luen toisen jälkeen romalaiskirjan 80 luvusta ja 28 Mutta me tiedämme, että kaikki yhdessä vaikuttaa niiden parhaaksi, että Jumala on rakastaa significant way in which Christian philosophers have put those two themes together um, is the is to have the understanding that God uh, not only foreknows the future but that he knows what each of us would freely choose to do in any situation that we might find ourselves in. You mean all the options? Uh, no, not simply that God knows the possibilities, but he knows what you would choose to do in all sorts of different situations. Eli Jumala näkee sekä meidän tulevaisuuden, mutta hän myös tietää, mitä minä valitsisin eri tilanteissa, mitä elämän varrella sattuu. So, um, before he creates the world... Um, God has lots of 
options of different worlds that he can create. Ennen kuin Jumala luo maailman, hänellä on monia vaihtoehtoja, erilaisia maailmoita, jonka hän voisi, jotka hän voisi luoda, tai joista hän voisi valita. Um, those options are shaped by our, our freedom. Ja ne maailmat, niin kun, ne muotoutuu sen mukaan, mitä me valitsemme omassa, meillä on vapaus valita. But God can uh, say, choose to create a, a particular world where he knows that I will make a certain choice. Jumala voi päättää luoda tietynlaisen maailman, jossa hän tietää, että mitä minä, minkälaisia valintoja minä sitten teen. And, and hence me making that choice is both genuinely my free choice and something that God can make happen. Make happen. Uh, because he created a world in which he knew I would do that. Eli, uh, eli tota, can you say from the beginning like... Um, Yes, so from before creating the world, he knew if he created this world, in that world, Peter will freely, would freely choose to do something. Yeah. It's a, a, a view called Molinism after the theologian Molonis who had this uh, idea. I don't know that. Um, Molinism. If you want to think more about it, let me just recommend uh, one book uh, to you, uh, which is the book um, by William Lane Craig, William Lane called The Only Wise God. And if you want the, uh, the view of this theo- theologian, then oh, uh, they want to quote Luther. And these questions are like when you put a rock in, in a lake and it will start spreading and spreading and spreading. Luther said something about uh, the, the freedom of man and God. Uh, the person has joy, uh, has freedom to the things below him, but not to the things above him. We, we couldn't choose which country we will be born, which family we would be born. Mm. Another theologian, uh, I don't know if it was Francis Brown or something. A man is free. God is free. Where God is where man's freedom and God's freedom meet, then God's freedom will always win. And a man's freedom has to. Pasi, can you say what Luther teaches about uh, a person's free will when you become a Christian, when you decide whether you want to turn to Jesus or not? Uh, Romans 8, it says that Vesa probably would know this better, but Luther says that the question of salvation is uh, in God's realm, in his kingdom, Uh, according to uh, Luther, God will save and give faith. They are these things above man. 
I wish that we would have really talked about this because I have heard so much about the praising of the human's own will. This question, God talks about that uh, that uh, a person's choices are not irrelevant. We are not some kind of uh, puppets that God makes us to do things, but our will our, our, is an important thing to God. But as when we talk especially about salvation, how does God save? You know, when we talk about when there's evil and suffering, then really genuinely those consequences are because of uh, because of our freedom, which is not the kind of freedom we are we are a slave to sin, and we choose sin, and we we do against God's will. So that's the freedom is the problem. Uh, our will has been put to, to sin slavery. And there are two levels here. He's talking very fast. And then if I want to say something simple, like a simple theology. <laughs> if you think about these situations, in the New Testament, a person is there, involved there. But then from God's view, what Jesus says to Matthew and Peter, follow. It's a calling to follow. And they do. They leave the nets, fish nets, and they follow Jesus. But still, in his final speech before he goes to the cross, he says, "You didn't choose me, but I chose you." So in the end, that's how it goes. When Peter says, "I never, I will always follow you," you know, and Jesus said before the cockerel. Things. Mm. Mm. And Apostle Paul, who was in prison, and the, and the whole uh, prison went and the, and the guard wanted to kill, kill himself. And, and the Paul wanted to speak to the guard and his family. And he said, Believe in Christ Jesus and you will be saved. It's like a calling to, to, to believe. Step onto this road. So if you want to use the word uh, decision, then it, it is a decision. And then Paul still uh, talks that in another place that God affects our will and our actions in us. So, so exactly what Basi said, that God's mercy us, and we fight with sin. I want to tell you, my, my life, I have been a Christian almost life, and I was here as a, I did my um, youth uh, camp, confirmation camp, uh, and all these uh, like youth leaders were testifying about their faith. And the teacher was talking about Jesus, and there was a possibility to have counseling and prayer. And this evening was uh, interesting because after the program was over, you could stay there. And those who wanted to leave wanted to go to, to have an evening snack. And I, I was the first one left from that moment and went and got my evening snack. And when I was sitting there and eating, I felt like there is a big uh, fight inside me. So one part of me wants me to stay here and eat, and another part of me wants me to go back to that space where you could pray. And with my whole being, battling, and then I went with my own steps. I went back to the chapel. They prayed for me, and when I went there, in the front, when I knelt down, I felt very strong. That he, 
places where God calls me to Him so that I would be rooted even more in Him. If you think of salvation as receiving a gift from God, I think choosing to say thank you and to take the gift is an important part of what goes on. Niin toki se, että valitsee ottaa sen vastaan ja sanoo kiitos lahjasta, niin se on tärkeä osa sitä. But your choice to say yes to that offer is not something that earns you the gift. Mutta se, että päätät ottaa sen lahjan vastaan, niin et sillä vastauksella ansaitse sitä lahjaa. You don't merit or qualify for the gift by saying yes please. Et tule tarpeeksi hyväksi saamaan sen lahjan vastaan sanomalla, että kyllä kiitos. It's, it's offered to you even before you said yes or no. Sitä tarjotaan sinulle jo ennen kuin vastaat kyllä tai ei. So I think our freedom to say yes in salvation is what a philosopher would call a necessary condition of our salvation. You mean our freedom, yes. Eli se vapaus vastata kyllä tai ei siihen lahjaan, niin se on, niin kuin, niin kuin filosofi sanoisi, että tämmöinen välttämätön asia tässä pelastuksessa. It's not, it's not a sufficient condition, and it's not something that earns us or merits our salvation. Eli se ei ole mitään sellaista, jonka avulla me sitten ansaitaan se lahja. Joo. Hmm. <laughs> I'm so interested in this. Uh, oh, there's some kind of essay on online uh, about some, about the decision making. Uh, it's proof of faith as a gift. Uh, but everything that God talks about foreseeing uh, raises a lot of questions. But I have thought it like this. In the Bible, it's there not so that we would be distressed and we would start uh, asking questions in distress. Uh, but it wants to remind us that we have been loved even before the earth was created. I like to watch these candid camera programs. And there was this uh, beautiful thing that after many years that I saw it many years ago. And whenever you talk about God's foreknowledge, I remember this video. A wife came home and the man was filming. And the man said, I have something to tell you. What do you have? A doctor called me. And the wife was really wondering what's going on. And then she realized they had wanted to have a child, this couple, and they can't have any. And the doctor had called that the wife is pregnant. And the man wanted to film the, the moment when he says that we're going to have a baby. And I, have, I always remember the woman's reaction. She got, uh, I'm sorry, women and all my sisters here, but she was like going crazy. And she was so happy. Oh, she was so happy. And then she turned to the video camera and spoke to the child. And she had just heard. And she said, my darling, we have been waiting for you so much. I want to tell you that we love you. We love you. You are so welcome. And I thought this is something that the Bible talks about when God has foreseen us to form God up to salvation. In the beginning of the world, God has already loved us. He wanted us to be his. Marvelous. Mutta 
Great. Great. Great illustration. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Please yeah. I love this question. Peter was saying that God gives us a gift even before we say yes or no. So we want to put the theory into practice. And we want to thank you, Peter, that you have been here with us this weekend and taught us and made us really think and forced us to see things in a new way. And at least I feel like personally I have had many new things into my own thinking and I have seen many things in a better way and I believe that that's what we have all experienced that we can share. Thank you that so we want to give you a gift. First of all, something that will make, make your um, memories very sweet. <laughs> Secondly, a mug which wants yes. to know that you are uh, you belong to something great. Mm-hmm. And when you enjoy tea or coffee at home, maybe you will remember to pray for this work that we are doing. Because this is why this forum has been made. This is not uh, some kind of, you know, try to think in a new way and have fun. But, mm. but this is because we could really get to know Jesus and fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. And we could help yeah. people uh, find Jesus. This is why we are here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mother. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, um, can I just say one word? Uh, thank you uh, very much uh, for this and for all being here. And I just want to uh, reiterate what uh, Vesa just said. That we can love God not only with all of our hearts, but also with all of our minds. And with all of our strength, all of our action. And all, all three go together in loving God and loving our neighbor in trying to bring them into a relationship with him. So thank you for coming to this conference so that you can be part of God's mission in building his kingdom here on earth. And for giving me the opportunity to be a small part of, of helping you to do that work. Thank you.